Hey guys, how's it going? Scott here, back with another episode of the SBL podcast. And today we are catching up with the awesome Henrik Linder from Dirty Loops. Now, I'm not sure if many of you were around when like Dirty Loops came storming onto the scene back in 2011, 2012. But I can remember it vividly, and all my friends were like, have you, have you checked out this band on YouTube? Have you checked out this band on YouTube? I was like, uh, no, what band? And then obviously I checked them out, and holy crap, they were just absolutely nailing that stuff to the wall. And, and really, in my opinion, kind of just kicked off a whole new generation of, you know, it's kind of a new sound that they created when you take these I would say like top 40 hits and rearrange them using um what you using jazz harmony really but in a more uh, in a more modern fusionistic type of way but with killer vocals amazing but like the full thing is just amazing and so if you've not checked out dirty loops before I'm sure you you will have but you know go over onto YouTube check them out again because they're just what what an amazing trio and uh, you know if you haven't if you've been living in a cave for the last sort of few years you know they they do tunes by artists such as like Justin Bieber Adele Lady Gaga and Britney Spears and they've had literally millions i think something like 25 or 30 million hits on their YouTube channel and trust me guys you've just got to check them out Henrik is a phenomenal bass player and in this podcast Nick's going to talk to Henrik and find out his full story about his time with the band right back from when they first started up right through to where you know they recorded their debut album Loopified and they started touring the world and pretty much broke YouTube in the process so it's going to be a killing interview now before you get stuck into the interview I just want to give you two recommended artists to check out this week okay just thought it'd be fun just it was like a last minute thing just I hit record and I just thought hey I'm gonna I'm gonna share with you guys who I'm listening to right now because you know you might be into it Uh, the first one is a a vocalist called Marcus King um if again if you check them out on YouTube they're really just a phenomenal band it's the Marcus King band and I'm not actually sure who the bass player is, but he is killing. And they're just, yeah, it's just a band worth checking out. And um, I really think you'll enjoy it. If you're into just good music, you're going to really enjoy it. And the second band I want to mention as well is Kneebody. And that is spelled knee as in K-N-E-E. And then body as in, well, body. And it's it's all one word as well, right? And the bass player is called Kavei Rastigar. He's a killing player. And just in terms of like the whole their whole vibe, Nebody's vibe is really improvisational based. It could be a little bit heavy for you in terms of like improvisation if you've not le- listened to anything like this before. But you might not have listened to anything like this before and it might be right up your street. So yeah, check them out, Nebody. Um, I've been listening to them all week. Cave Rastigar, it's a tricky name, that isn't it? Rastigar is playing bass, and uh, and I really love what they're doing. So check them out as well. So anyway, without further ado, let's kick off this podcast. I'm going to hand over to Nick and Henrik Linder. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the SBL podcast. Hope you're all having a great week. We've got Henrik here from Dirty Loops, who I've been wanting to interview forever. Henrik, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Great, thanks. Really good. 
I've been following Dirty Loops for, what was it, six years now since you guys really came on the scene? Something yeah, something like that. Like, yeah, 2010. Yeah, it's about, oh, yeah, it's six years. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I mean, your playing is just incredible. I remember seeing all those covers, tunes on YouTube, and it just went absolutely crazy. How did it all start? I basically started uh, with the, we were all session musicians in Stockholm and kind of wanted to have a project where we could do everything we were not allowed to do in the session. So we had a jam session and it was a lot of fun to do that. So we kept doing it after, after that. So that's really how it started. And were you prepared for how big it got? No, no. Like uh, the first uh, video we put up was just uh, we wanted to try to get a gig, so we put up the Just Dance, the Lady Gaga cover, and then it started to spread. So we didn't expect that at all. So it was uh, we were very happily surprised. So that was really cool. And that Lady Gaga cover is incredible, man. You're, you're oh, thank you very much. <laughs> on that, it's just insane. It's so cool. How did your technique develop to that level? Uh, I, I don't know, like, I guess I stole a little bit from a lot of players and then try to make it my own, I guess, but uh, I was always interested in it. Yeah, bass technique is obviously better than... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, um, uh, yeah, I guess it was a little bit like that, that I, I just listened to a lot of players and try to, like, mimic uh, their styles and then try to come up with my own vision to do things as well so so that's how i developed things i guess and when did you think right we've got this lady gaga tune i know i'm gonna play slap bass on it which uh, makes the track but it's just like how did you <laughs> come up with that that idea okay we we did the covers in that style so all of them were like yeah okay this is like a forum where we all could go crazy with whatever <laughs> we do and there's not gonna be like anyone to judge us or say that yeah this is not right for the tune here. It was like the the project was all about like that you could take things as far as possible for us then. So that was like a, it was a pretty normal arrangement for us, I guess, like in that context, because the other guys wanted me to play like that and we wanted each other to like, uh, yeah, uh, push things. Really push on, yeah. Yeah. How do you come up with those arrangements? How much rehearsal time goes into it? Uh, it, it those old arrangements like uh, Circus and Just Dance, they were like, uh, they developed during rehearsal hours, but the ones that were later were often uh, arranged uh, before so that we sat with computers and, sat and made uh, chords and stuff there and then added stuff on later on. But those in the beginning were, I don't know, it was like four or five times in the rehearsal studio and then we just kept adding things it was not very structured at all so it's like a, all of the songs has really been like a systematic chaos in some kind of way that you kind of get a vision for the song and then you add small parts until until you're there so yeah it's it's kind of a weird process like uh, because we got this question a lot and then when you try to explain it it's like yeah uh, I don't know, really. It's, it just happens because there's a lot of things going on. So you guys, have you known each other for a long time? Yeah, a very long time. Like I've known Jonah since he was nine years old and Aaron since he was 15. So oh, wow. before we started this, we we were like longtime friends as well. So Yeah. Do you think it's important to have that kind of depth of, of, um, of just having known each other for such a long time? 
when it comes to uh, music that's so heavily arranged and just knowing where each other's at? Yeah, I don't know. Like uh, the the drummer bass player thing, uh, I always enjoyed when you've been playing with a drummer that you've been known for a long time or practiced with. Uh, but but I guess that's me. I, I I don't know. Like maybe it's individual, but for us it helped. Uh, but there's probably like a lot of bands as well that didn't have that that are like where where it's uh, very good as well. So I I don't know. Like it's a good question. But yeah. For us, it's been a lot of fun. Like I, I enjoy that I've known these guys for a very long time. It makes it feel special in some kind of way. So, yeah, it's cool. How did you approach it in terms of being in a, a jazz, or I say a jazz kind of fusion kind of pop thing, but a trio where the bass is quite exposed a lot of the time, isn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun because uh, those guys wanted me to play like really weird stuff, so I had to practice a lot. So uh, they were. They went like, yeah, I want you to do this. And then I go like, yeah, I don't know how to do this. So then I have to figure out a way to do it. So it was a lot of things that I had to develop in order to actually be able to play it at all. So that was really a lot of fun with this trio. So you that was like cool. the bass player and the lead guitarist at the same time. Yeah, the but I, I don't know. Jonah is the bass player as well when I right, play, sure. go into a solo. So everybody has like very, like have to cover a lot of parts. And I, I think that's that's a lot of fun like it's a it's a cool way to do music for us is that what led you to play a six string bass just so you could have more range and be able to play chords and stuff like that uh not initially i think i think uh, when i started like it went to it's called gymnasium it's like uh, in sweden it's like when you're uh, 16 17 and 18 the first year i played a four string second year i played a five string and the third year i played a six string but it's you learned. I learned a lot of theory and stuff like that, and and it was a good thing way to view the bass, so that I could see chords in a different way. Because I believe it's a good thing to see theory from a lot of different angles and stuff like that. So uh, it was uh, it was good because of that. I think. So you do work on theory quite a lot. Is that something? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. What kind of things do you work on? Uh. In the beginning, it was just like nailing the scales and the modes and to get an understanding of that. And now it's, uh, I guess, like uh, going outside, like uh, the theory. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, this is such a wide question. Like, mm. there's so many answers to it. But um, I don't know. Like, I, I, I guess I think uh, a lot of patterns when I play, like, I see, like, uh, try to. Oh, yeah, how do I say this? <laughs> uh, yeah, but I, I try to see, like, uh, patterns in most things I play when I think about solos and stuff like that and try to, like, divide things in in patterns, basically. Mm-hmm. And then you can take, like, shapes of scales or... Uh, yeah, this is going to be a very long answer. That's cool, I guess. go for it. <laughs> uh, no, but if, if you, like, have, like, a two tone motive or three tone motives and try to like do those with uh, the scale things or like play through the chords and yeah basically like trying to learn as many ways of doing things as possible so so that because i think you could hear things differently when you have uh, many approaches to doing things so uh yeah i i I try to learn things like that there was kind of a weird answer but (laughs) yeah (laughs) so would you say it's mainly kind of improvisation and soloistic stuff that you work on uh yeah yeah one part of it but 
yeah, I guess like when you're learning songs, then I sit a lot with the grooves and stuff like that. Aaron and I worked together a lot, uh, just playing two bars of grooves when we went to the music school. Uh, it was just like those. Um, we had uh, two bars of a groove like that we thought were hard, and then we played that for three times thirty minutes. So I guess, uh, and then we changed to another, and we sat with the same grooves for a week. So. I think we we did uh, we did that, and then I did like the solo thing on my own. But when I practiced with drummers, I did a lot. It was only the groove thing, so I guess it was a little bit of both. A bit of everything, yeah. Just going back to your bass, what is it you're playing yeah. right now? Uh, it's a Madison bass, Madison bass. Uh, right. It's a Swedish like one man company. Uh, oh, yeah. I've been playing for a long time, but I, I really like those basses. I think they're amazing. And do you only play six string now? Uh, no, I play six string, four string, and five string yeah. right now. So okay, cool. I jump in between a little bit. Uh, I don't know. Like I, I started liking playing four strings more recently. I don't know why. It's just like I, I guess things go in phases. But yeah. Do you ever think people just think of you as maybe a six string bass player or like a um, a really progressive technical player? And sometimes, yeah. you know, you kind of think yeah. I, I can still play four bass, four string bass too, right? Yeah, but I guess it's natural because everything I did that's uh, like out there mm -hmm. is only like progressive music that's six string. So of course people are going to have that impression. But I don't know. Like uh, I, I'm, I'm glad people like something I do. So, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> I, I think it's a lot of fun to play like four string and P basses and stuff like that as well. But it's just, uh, it's not for dirt loops or haven't been this far. Who knows what happen later but um i don't know uh yeah i like doing both i guess let's go back to dirty loops then um after you guys just exploded onto the scene you went back in to record some of your own music and write on some write some more original tunes is that right yeah how was that how was that was that a big change was, for you yeah it was quite a different experience because in the beginning we didn't know like how much we were gonna arrange them and uh it took some time, like it, it always was like trial and error with their loop. So, uh, yeah, it took some time to like develop that sound. And eventually we kind of went back to what we did before, but it was more produced, I guess, but to just go extra everything with all the songs. So, yeah. What was the pressure like having to come up with something, having already made such a big impact with the first time, the first time around? Yeah, we thought about the pressure thing, like, and I think that's kind of what blocked us in the in the beginning. It's when we stopped caring that much, then things started to go better because in the end, like, you're doing music for yourself and not for a lot of other people. So I think uh, it was a good thing that we went back into doing just what we started to do and what the band was really about. What was your ambition when you first started out? With this band, uh, did you have a goal, or, and have you reached it yet? Yeah, I, I guess we reached like further than we ever thought. Like it was just a band that was for fun, where we could kind of, uh, uh, yeah, try things we couldn't uh, do uh, in other places. So, yeah, I, I guess we achieved that because now we can make a living out of it. So, um, <laughs> but so yeah, what's next now you you, you have. I don't know, like we, we're thinking about like maybe trying to record something new eventually in some kind of form, but uh, yeah, we haven't really got the arrangements yet, but uh, we're working on it, so 
at some point it's going to happen. Like the band is slow, so I don't know when, but at some point. What do you guys think about when when you're taking these kind of pop arrangements? I mean, are you all big pop fans? I mean, you, you've covered guys like um, Justin Bieber and Lady Gaga, we said. Adele, I know you did a cool um, cover of her tune. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, who are you guys into? I think... Uh, I think it was also like we're into like all sorts of music. I I know Jonah is into a lot of classical music and I don't know. I came from like a metal background as well. Uh, But uh, and then we always had the like West Coast thing as well. And yeah, I just think we try to mash like everything together in one. So you could have like whatever influences you had from any point you could just like smash it in there and try to of course it had to be in the song so it, but uh i think we try to like do all of our uh influences in one project in some kind of way so it's a lot of thing but there's like a lot of jazz and fusion in there as well of course so so who would be your big heroes in terms of bass players uh gary willis is really like a super big hero of mine and uh Victor Wooden, I guess, Anthony Jackson. And then you could probably name like all influential bass players because I think I, li- I think there's like something to see in all of them. Like all of them have their unique sound and there is something that you could learn from so many players. Like all these new ones with Federico Malaman, Anton Davidians, Adrian Ferroa, Mikael Pikpokinja, Mohini Day. Like all of those are like really, really cool. So there's... Uh, yeah, there's a lot of them that I that I'm inspired by. So I know I've seen some videos with you and Federico, and I'm guessing you've met some of these guys. This kind of next generation of, of bass players. Yeah. How do you think your world is different to the previous generation, like who, who didn't even have, certainly didn't have YouTube or Facebook and things like that? I mean, it's a completely different world, isn't it? Yeah, I guess so. Uh, I think like uh, the young bass players today could get uh, access to information like uh, way quicker than uh, than what people in my age could as well because YouTube wasn't really around when I grew up like it came in 2006 or something so uh, yeah I guess it's gonna improve people so that the younger players are gonna get like uh, super good because I think you see that already that you see like those like 18 19 year olds are just like ridiculously good already so i think that's really cool so the base world is probably gonna develop even more and that's really awesome i think do you think there's any dangers of that though that that people may be you know incredible technical players but may not necessarily have that kind of the gig experience or the experience of playing with other people so much uh yeah maybe but on the other hand like people get to play the sequencers and stuff like that a lot so yeah, of course, this could there could always be that danger, but uh, I think uh, since you don't make that money out of uh, records anymore, like you kind of have to play live to make a living out of music, so you have have that on the other hand, and then uh, you also I, I think there's more opportunities than uh, like the negative side of things. So I think overall it's going to be good. People are going to play with other players and. I think uh, those people that come up definitely have like that really natural groove and that you can see that they're not only like YouTube players. So I- I'm not really worried, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about playing live because you guys have just been touring recently and you've done some incredible tours. 
um, world tours and stuff like that. How was it when you went from um, recording and being a big YouTube hit to suddenly being in front of a live audience? Uh, it was like uh, kind of stressful because we had like three or four days to rehearse the entire album before going on tour. So the first like 15 shows or something when the hearing and stuff wasn't right, it was like, yeah, it was okay. It was not really good. I think like the band really grew into the live thing after that. So it was like a transition, definitely. Like all of us played lives tons of times before, but it's just like, yeah, you had to find uh, uh, how to do the dirt lift thing live. So um, I think like after those first uh, 15 gigs or something, things started to go good. And now it's like 100 and 50 gigs later so now it now it's pretty comfortable i think it's it's a lot of fun to play with those guys live what were the main challenges i can imagine just getting um i mean there's a lot of communication a lot of arrangements going on and then having to yeah. perform at the same time yeah the biggest challenge in the beginning was that there was not enough time to rehearse the songs that were like yeah you have a gig it's in one and a half week and then it was all those songs that had like a lot of hits that you had to mm -hmm. kind of learn as good as possible in that time we would have needed a week more to rehearse it in the beginning but then when we figured out the things we did wrong in the first gigs things started to go better so it was basically not having enough time to prepare for it i think and where have you been you've been all over the world right yeah we played all continents except for the arctics and south uh, america south america we would love to go to but we've been a lot of places actually so um we only had one gig in africa so far but we've been to new zealand and australia and stuff like that so yeah and did you find you were well received the music was popular wherever you went or what was it was it a mixed reaction what was it like uh it's it depended like it was pretty it's pretty much the same like when we have our own gigs it's it's been pretty much the same because it applies to musicians and there's musicians everywhere so it's like a musician audience so that's always been cool it's just been different reactions like uh, when we played like a jazz festival uh, like uh, to a pop festival because i i think like uh, our music is better for the jazz festivals than for like a straight pop uh, festival because I think there's too much stuff going going on for that but it's overall like it's never been like a really really horrible response but most times it's been great response so uh, audiences has been, really been cool I think everywhere one last thing I want to ask you is having built such a huge fan base on via social media and sites like that as you said earlier on people aren't necessarily buying lots of records anymore how do you then commercially make this a kind of a viable thing that can continue? How do you, how do you monetize that? That's fan base. Uh, I don't know. Is it touring? Uh, Is it touring the, the way forward? Yeah, touring definitely. But there's still like some countries that sell a lot of records. Like we sold two thirds of all our records in Japan, for instance. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, but but I think like mostly with by touring and and also merchandise like print T-shirts and stuff like that. Uh, those things also that you can sell uh, at the gigs and stuff like that and make an extra income with. But uh, yeah, touring is like uh, the big thing like that makes money for us. So, and I also think touring is the thing that's the most fun. So that's, that's good, I guess. You think that's what drives the band on really? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. 
Okay. Uh, nah, it's it's fun to like create songs and stuff like that as well. So. Sure. Uh, What's next for you guys? What have you got coming up? Uh, yeah, it's uh, trying to record something at some point. So that's what we're going to work on now. I think. New record. Okay. Cool. Any plans yeah. or any ideas yet? Yeah, we have some sketches, but um, yeah, we'll see when it's <laughs> when it's finished. It will take time, I'm sure. <laughs> oh man, I'm oh, looking forward to hearing it. Um, cool, thank really you very much. You do, man. And yeah, guys, go oh, and check out so check out Dirty Loops on YouTube, especially that cover of um, Lady Gaga just dance. That slap line on that is so cool. Um, thank you very much. Thank you. Go all. listen to it again right now, Henrik. Thanks a <laughs> lot, man. Um, thank you so much yeah you too okay guys thanks so much for checking out the podcast today and a huge shout out to henrik as well for coming along hanging out with nick and you know sharing his story it's just really inspiring here about hearing about kind of just how they got into it just like almost like well they were kids really when they you know met, met in school and just got into it in such an organic way and how they've you know, being able to create such a, a global phenomena of that style of music, um, I think it's a really inspiring story. Now, if you're a bass player and you're listening to this, I'm sure many of you are bass players, but if you are a bass player and you really want to push your uh, your bass playing to that next level, I really urge you to check out scottsbasslessons.com, which is what I do. It's what the team here at SBL do. We, we have, I was going to say we're creating, but really we have created the ultimate online bass school for people such as yourself that are trying to get your bass playing to the next level and it really is a completely new opportunity that has opened up to bass players such as yourself um, because before you could either study with somebody one-to-one or you could uh, study from books like I did and uh, and it's, it's a long old process trust me I went through that um, with Scott's Bass Lessons and the school that we've created it's completely online what we've done is create an opportunity where you guys can get instant access to the largest online course library video course library in the world from the comfort of your own home and also get access to weekly live seminars where you can interact with the best base educators in the world every single week right and the killer the, the kicker is is it is ridiculously cheap i think it equates to something like 16 dollars a month so to put that in you know, to break that down even further, that's like less than $4 a week. It's something like $3.50 a week. So it's less than a cup of, a cup of coffee a week. Yeah, you get my point. Uh, we've created an awesome platform. I hope you come and check it out because we're really trying to you know, change the world of base education in a really positive way. So everybody, wherever you are in the world, can get access to the best base education possible. So you can go to scottsbasesessons.com, check it out. You can grab a 14-day free trial, take the entire platform for a test drive for 14 days. And if for any reason you do not like it, you can cancel with the click of one button and your account will be cancelled. You won't be billed at all, okay? So we've tried to lower the barrier of, you know, that that, that pain threshold of, look, oh, I'm not sure whether I want to try it out or not. We've tried to lower that as much as physically possible to get you through the door and get you involved in our world so we can help you get your bass playing to the next level now other than that guys i'll see you next week on the podcast take it easy and i'll see you in the shed mm-hmm.